the Askell Business Brunch. Hello and welcome to Askell's Business Brunch podcast. My name is Hayley Dunn and I'm Askell's uh, Business Leadership Specialist. And this is a new podcast for you where I'm going to be joined by colleagues and we're going to talk about everything to do with business leadership. Um, and along the way, hopefully we'll be having some special guests. So um, as I said, my name's Hayley Dunn and I'm Askell's Business Leadership Specialist and I've been in this role for two years. Prior to that, I worked in a multi, small multi-academy trust as a finance director. Prior to that, as a business manager within a large primary school. And prior to that, I was in a local authority working as a senior finance officer. And my background, um, I'm an accountant by trade. Um, and then I've other, done other qualifications and gained experience along the way to get to where I am today. So within the policy team, we work across a number of areas and we have specialisms. And within the business leadership area... Um, I focus on some of the key areas that, that you'll know as business leaders, things like the Academy's Financial Handbook, Schools Resource Management, um, Income Generation and those sorts of topics. So I'm just going to introduce a couple of my colleagues now and they're going to introduce themselves and tell you a little bit about their background and then we'll get underway with our chat today. So Louise, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi. Uh, I'm Louise Hatswell. I'm Askell's Conditions of Employment Specialist and my specialist area is pay. Um, prior to, I've been with Askell for two years now as well. Um, prior to joining Askell, I was a finance director and business leader um, across three schools, a secondary and two primaries. Um, prior to that, I was a business leader in just one secondary school. Um, I was also a trustee for the Institute of School Business Leadership and I set up and ran a South Yorkshire School Business Leaders Group for about two years before I set up a committee to help me with that. And in my role at Askill, I work with all business leaders, uh, head teachers, all our senior leader members, uh, advising on matters around pay, performance management, CPD, uh, and all those related areas. Fantastic. And I'm also today joined today by Julia. Would you like to introduce yourself? Thanks, Hayley. Yes, I'm Julia Harden. I'm Askill's funding specialist. Um, I've worked for Askill in that role for. Uh, over five years now. I can't believe where that time's gone, actually. Um, I joined Askell following um, a, about a 10-year period as finance director at an all-through academy in Northamptonshire. Uh, that I ended up as finance director. I joined 10 years or so earlier than that as, as Bursa. And the, the, the journey of the, the school through to becoming a, a trust uh, meant that my uh, role changed quite significantly. And I guess that's the sort of thing we'll probably pick up on on those sort of changes um, as we carry on talking. Before that, I uh, was a uh, worked for a, a company that provided peripatetic bursarial services. So I had a portfolio of schools that I uh, worked with, which was fantastic because that gave you a really good um, feel for different phases of school and different types of school. Um, of sort of a good 10 years 10 15 20 years ago now actually which is a little bit scary and before I was in education I worked for um, a commercial banking I worked for HSBC um, and I, I got into education finance because I had a career break from the bank ended up not going back at all um, but in the meantime, became a governor at my oldest child's school. And that's what really uh, sort of sparked my interest in education finance. And then the two the experiences pu pulled together made sense to work in education uh, finance and funding. And I've never looked back. Uh, my role at Askell as funding specialist is very varied. So working quite a lot with schools um, and members 
uh, delivering uh, training uh, and also lucky enough to work quite closely with government groups uh, discussing funding policy um, and trying to uh, get DfE colleagues to understand how policy um, is uh, how policy works at individual school level and when it's when it's good and when it's not so good. Brilliant. Thank you so much both. And I think that's one of the wonderful thing about the, the three of us working together, although we're a fairly uh, small policy team at ASCOL, to have three business leaders, ex-business leaders as part of the team. It's just wonderful because as when you're a school business leader within a school or a college, you don't have that luxury. You tend to be the only person doing your job. So working with both of you, it's an absolute pleasure because I know that, that we can bounce ideas off each other and we can talk about policy and we can bring together our collective experience to sort of inform our thoughts and when we're working with council, giving our views. Um, I think that's a real strength uh, that we have at ASCOL to, to have that experience alongside the experience of sort of uh, other school and college leaders who are part of the team too. So what we mm, thought we'd have a, a little... Oh, sorry, no, Julia, do come in. No, I, I was just going to actually pick up... I, I absolutely agree with you, Hayley, I was going to pick up on a, a point that Louise made about that she'd started a network group. Um, I never did start a net group, network group, but I do understand and appreciate the value of them. Um, I joined one as soon as I could um, when I worked at Caroline Chisholm, um, and it was invaluable, that. So absolutely, that, that's a, a key feature, I would say, of, of my... Uh, the bit of my career in education to to get involved with a network group, um, it's it's invaluable. Oh, absolutely, I completely agree. So just before we we chat any more, uh, just to say that the the uh, podcast today we're going to be focusing on career pathways because that's the thing we're hearing a lot about at the moment. Um, and each of us has got an individual journey and individual experiences that have got us to where we are now, which we thought we'd share that that with you and share some of our high, highlights and some of our low points. And some of those low points are the things that have developed us into, into who the people that we are and the leaders that we are now. And that's, that's so important. So, uh, Louise, do you want to, to tell us about some of your experiences? Yeah, um, well, if I go right back right to the very start, um, I left school in 1986 and uh, was registered to go to college to do a BTEC in business and finance. Um, but back in those days, you used to be able to enrol with the job centre. <laughs> they would let you know if there are any jobs available, not like it is now. Um, and I actually got a phone call to say that there was a, an op- opportunity to be a clerical assistant at a local firm. So I went for the interview and got that. So a week after I'd left school, well, I actually started full-time job. So I never ended up doing the BTEC in business and finance. Uh, I went to night school and did a couple of typing qualifications there and I worked as a clerical assistant to this small decorating firm but that that grew to become a personnel clerk, used to deal with the wages, payroll, uh, physically making the cash salaries up each week, the the pay packets used to go to the bank uh, with the the suitcase and get the cash, you know, this suitcase that was strapped to my wrist so that if anybody stole it, it would put dye all over the money. Uh, come back, make the the uh, pay packets up. Uh, used to do all the invoices, do all uh, you know, all that side of things, and all, all very manual. It was, we did use computers to an extent, but they were very specific programs. They weren't, you know, you just there were literally no internet or anything like that. Um, and then I had a break where I had my uh, family. And I went back into a part-time role at a local supermarket, but actually quite quickly moved from being, uh, you know, in customer services to actually working in personnel in the supermarket, which I found really enjoyable. Uh, it gave me the option because I could work different hours. 
and then decided that I really needed to get back into full-time work. So um, my roles all involved kind of customer facing uh, or dealing with um, staff HR uh, perspective um, roles up until finding a job in a school it was was my actual my old school so it was quite you know something that I thought oh, that's I'll amazing put, put an application in I probably won't get it but I'll put an application in but I got the job and absolutely loved it we started off as a senior clerical officer doing the photocopying first day contact calls for attendance uh, taking messages around school being on reception just uh, such a huge variety of, of roles um, but also then progressed through that role and uh, ended up as a school business manager after a couple of years uh, on the senior leadership team. I then co-led the conversion to academy status with an assistant head teacher there who was a very close colleague of mine uh, and then supported the five partner primaries to join the Umbrella Trust in the year after that. Um, and then I loved that job and really probably got a little bit too comfortable because I thought I would stay there forever because I really, really enjoyed the work. Uh, you know, it was a lovely place to work. There was a change in headship, which kind of changed the whole dynamics of the school. And you realise then that nothing's going to stay the same forever. So then decided, actually, maybe, you know, it's time to have a look. I'd been there for about 15 years, so maybe it's time to look somewhere else. And another role came up that was across three schools, working across two primaries and a secondary, back to maintain sector. So having gone through all the academy conversion and working through that, then decided to go back to the, the maintain sector and did that job, really enjoyed that. Um, but then just by chance one day saw on Twitter the advert for Askell and decided to put an application in for that. And then so for the last two years I've been doing this. So quite quite a varied uh, background, but all based around HR, personnel, finance, um, in to working in education but um, I think I took the, the job in a school thinking that probably like a lot of people do I would just do that for a few years until my boys were older and then I would go back and find you know uh, another go back into proper full, proper full-time work and <laughs> not term time only but I just loved it and it just became something that I would never have been able to become a teacher because I've just not got the you know the patience to, for that but I absolutely loved the interaction with children and feeling like what you're doing on a daily basis actually has a positive impact on them so I found that job satisfaction really really rewarding and became like a you know an extended family and I think that's I don't think I would ever be able to work somewhere that's not related to education so that that's my journey of how I got to be here. And Julia what about yours? Gosh um uh, well, uh, I, so I'll, I'll, I'll go back, back to the beginning. So I worked for the bank for 11 years um, and I loved that. And I really thought that's, that's what I wanted to do. And that was in the time when you thought that, you know, that was a career for life. You could still have a job for life sort of thing. And I say I took a career, took a bit of a career break um, when I had my second uh, child um, and we moved areas, so I, I didn't go back to the bank. And, and then I was sort of settling family into a new area and the, the oldest one started school and I, I became a governor. Um, I mean, by default, because they needed someone uh, for the to chair the finance committee. Um, and I don't know how, I hope things have changed a lot these days, but at the time, nobody really wanted to do that. So I didn't have any experience in school governance but I wasn't phased by the finance side of it. So um, I took a bit of a 
uh, leap of faith really on on their part um and i took it and i i just loved it and i i there was like a as i said earlier i think there was like a sort of joining together of i'm now really really interested in education because my children are of that age never having thought about it too much since i'd left school and college um it became incredibly important so to be able to do what I could do in an education setting and Louise I think that's sort of what what you were sort of talking describing as well isn't it it you just feel quite I would use the word privileged actually um and I, I mean that you know I could I had a, a something that I could offer given that I couldn't teach um so that was the start of it really so then I'd say I got I, I worked for a, with a portfolio of schools and learn it was a huge learning curve um and I had a fantastic um leader um in in that role who was wonderful a lady called brenda and she was absolutely fantastic because you knew you know you you were out on your own working flying by the seat of your pants a lot of the time it felt like but she was very clear you absolutely knew you had her support and she would always say there's nothing you can do that i can't undo so do what you think tell me if you're not sure and, and that it's something that that was a a really really valuable um skill that I learned then when I you know later on you, you start to manage people yourself um, because it really gave me confidence to to get on and, and do the job um, that I was being asked to do so that was that was fantastic and and through that role I, I went into lots of different schools and you, you begin then even without thinking about it to to get a feel for okay well I, w- I wouldn't do it like that I would do it like that so when I decided that it was time to move on and I, and the, I saw this job for, the, for a school and it was a brand new school, um, wasn't, the building wasn't even finished, it, I went into that, I was very open about it because I hadn't worked in one school before that um, and saying, you know, I think I've picked up, I know, I know how I don't want to do this but I've got a lot of learning to do to make it, to make it work. Um, and I was lucky enough to get that job. And that was, again, that, that was a fantastic opportunity because there was so much going on that you really couldn't, nobody could be micromanaged. You had to be prepared to say, this is my role and, and I've got to set up the finance side and, and the um, the non-teaching support staff side. Um, and it, again, it, you know, great leadership team around us who were really just prepared to let us get on and do our job. Um, and I, I can remember going to the, the principal one more than one occasion and saying, you know, a colleague has come and asked me about this and I don't know what to say. And he said, well, just think of it this way. He said, if they've come to ask you, they don't know either. So, again, you know, you're just using your what you think is right and that you'll be prepared, you know, that sort of, I'll stand in front of the mirror and would I prepare, would I be prepared to do this if it was my children I was making this decision for and that sort of um, approach. Um, and and he enabled me to um, to grow career wise, um, you know, in a way that I hadn't I hadn't imagined. I never envisaged that that, that would be something that I would be doing. And so then you hope that you can you can bring all of those experiences that you together when you come to do a job like we're doing now, when we're supporting members that will be all different points of their career. And there are transferable skills, aren't there, in different roles um, across schools. So, yeah. 
That's, um, I think one of the things... It's quite um, it's nice to think back, actually. You don't do this very often, do you? you don't take reminisce the about it. One of the things I'm getting really strongly from both of you is, is sort of your values and, and how those sort of underpinned what, what, you, what you've done, um, partly coming from, from becoming parents yourselves um, mm. and those, those values of what, not just what you want for yourself but what you want for your children as well. Um, I think that's such an important part of what we do in whatever role we're in in school is that we're doing the best by the children that are in our care. I mean, at my career journey, um, I sort of fell into education, really. I I decided to take the pathway of accountancy, um, similar to to Louise. um, My my, um, education finished at college because my family circumstances, university wasn't possible. um, and And I took the experience of going into work and working my way up. But actually, I still felt that qualifications were really important and I wanted to have that to to underpin what I was learning and my experience. And I went down the accountancy route and I I did um, AAT at Knight College um, and then I moved on to doing um, ACCA. And a lot of that I funded myself because I felt really, really passionate about it. That if I I wanted to, to move up the career ladder and if I wanted to develop myself and to keep pushing myself. And each time I did something, I thought, well, can I push myself a little bit further? Can I do a little bit more? Can I go a bit further? And I think picking up on what you've both said, the really important points along the way have been those people who've just given me a little bit of a nudge, that belief that that you can do something Mm. or given you that little bit of advice. Uh, There was a lady I worked with when I worked in an accountancy practice and she learned learned that I should sort of think bigger and have a wider perspective. So um, what Louise was saying about sort of reconciling payroll, when I was preparing accounts, I'd have to do things like I'd have to do a sales account reconciliation. So you'd have your debtors brought forward, your sales invoices, your receipts, and then you'd have your debtors brought forward. And I'm quite a forensic person, so I would spend time trying to, if I'd got a difference that I was out by five pounds, I'd be looking for that five pounds to, to find that difference. And what she taught me was to, to if you've done a really thorough job, if, if you've been through everything um, and you're pretty sure that you're confident that, that you've got it right, is don't spend that time. Think about the bigger picture. You could spend days and days finding that and finding that difference. Or you may not find it because there might be a piece of information missing, but not to let that cloud what you're doing because as you move up the career ladder and and you have difficult conversations and you have difficult decisions to make every day, you have to decide how you're going to prioritise your time. And, and I've learned that really on in my career working um, for Jackie to have that perspective. And it's those sort of things that I think are really important that you learn along the way through your career. It's all these little bits and pieces mm-hmm. that, that add up to the leader that you become and to, that you take those through every job. And, and for me, my values were really important, coming from a disadvantaged background, honesty, integrity. Um, I came from a family where there was an awful lot of love, but, but we didn't have much. But integrity and how you treated people was really, really important. Um, and that's one of the things that I've tried to instill as I've worked with teams is, is learn to decide the behaviour that you're, you'll accept. And there's some behaviour that I won't accept from people and I, there's, I won't be treated a certain way. And I think that's really important that there's kindness there's empathy uh, within leadership and that sort of um we did it through the ascal ethical leadership framework about how we treat other people and and that's really important because we're role models for for the children and for the young Mm. people that that we serve so is is there anything that you would reflect on sort of that's been really pivotal that's influenced how you are as leaders i think 
what you've just mentioned there about you know basic values of humanity um and seeing those in i think i did learn that from from some of my uh, bosses back in the day when i was working in the bank and i and i was um i was as a as a young person i was really quite fearful of authority and i don't and i mean fearful rather than respectful and i and I'm, that's something i've learned i don't think that was a particularly healthy thing and so i what I learned was that as I sort of progressed through through the organisation and I was expecting to be, you know, even more fearful. I mean, it sounds ridiculous now. It's a very terribly naive view, but that was my expectation. Of course, I found completely the opposite, that in almost every case, the more senior colleagues that you worked with and the people that, that you reported to, uh, they... They were, they were the ones that, that understood the importance of, of values, kindness, integrity and honesty in a bank career is, is, is you know, absolutely essential. Um, but the, the humanity was definitely there. And so, you know, I can think of one occasion when I was, I'd just taken a, I think it was my first management role. Um, and it was in London and I was sort of totally in awe of the whole thing still. Um, and my husband had a car accident and he rang me. He was all right, but he was very shaken up by it and rang me and I sort of spoke to my t- senior about it. She went and had a word um, with the, the, the most sen- the, the senior um, colleague in the building at the time. And he came out to me and said, you need to go now, you need to go home. And, so, and I said, but he's fine, he's fine. You need to go home and make sure he's all right and make sure you're all right. And that, I mean, one very small thing, and you know, it sounds very obvious now, but it, it almost, what it did for me was think, Do you know what, it's okay, it's permission to be yourself however, uh, you know, wherever you are in an organisation, an authority is not something to be feared, it's something to be respected when it's done well. So that was, that was quite um, influential, I think. I think that responsibility, isn't it, that that I think when you become a leader as well, you, you've learned off those people that, that have, have come before you and that, that little thing made such a big impact. And it absolutely was the right thing to do. But absolutely. as you're coming up the ranks, you, you've, I, I completely get that about sort of being a little bit fearful and very, very respectful of hierarchy and very respectful mm-hmm. of leaders. What about you, Louise? Yeah, I think um, in my role in where I was spent about 15 years in the school, because I started off um, as a senior clerical officer um, and then I moved up to become a company secretary and school business manager, um, the head teacher there was had previously been the deputy and was successful in getting the substantive head teacher role. And I think that was, um, you know being on the leadership team with him when he'd I'd I'd seen a lot of things in how I would have done things in the department that I ended up leading and when you've worked through and you've seen those things that you know you would do differently and I think because they were you know that all kind of happened at the same time we just we were you know I was given the autonomy buy-in that was just you know I don't know how to run an office I don't know how to do all that you do so you know please do it if you've got a problem come and see me and that that's I think being given that freedom and that responsibility and the trust, the professional trust to do what you're the, you know, and, that, and that's how every one of us on the leadership team was treated. You know, you've got an area, that's your responsibility, that's your expertise, then do it. And honestly, it was just, it was like somebody, you know, giving you the, the green light to just go and so all those ideas and everything. But working really closely and seeing, you know, it was an inspirational leader, um, but also a colleague on the leadership team. Uh, I worked really closely with who was from a teaching background who was an assistant head 
watching how he dealt with things because one of my problems I think as I've become uh, you know more into leadership roles was I can be quite hot-headed and I can be quite you know I kind of if somebody tells me I can't do something or I'm not you know oh, that I'm, get that. maybe uh, would make the mistake to tell me that I'm wrong you know um, <laughs> that's been a challenge at times so uh, you know working with people who actually and you see how they deal with things like that and a lot of the things we used to do, we used to have to implement whole school systems, which, you know, people, particularly when you made the move to go into doing online registers and uh, online tracking systems where people have been used to everything being paper based. And it's quite a, you know, a barrier. People don't want to make that change. They're quite happy in doing things. And it, he would say, no, you know, we, we need to tell them why we're doing it and show them, find a benefit for them. So, you know, you'd, you'd go to having all the, t- uh, on Sims, all the timetables on Sims. So people could literally at the clicker button find out where another member of staff or another student was really, really quickly rather than running around school. So he'd always say, you know, explain to them why we're doing it. If if people come to us with a better idea, a suggestion to improve it, if we can, we'll do that. But if we can't, then I'm sorry, but this is how it has to be. But rather than just enforcing change on people, you brought them on board, you know, and explained things to them. And always with the absolute utmost genuine respect, you know, and even in disagreeing was always done so respectfully. And I learned so much from that, that actually, you know, and, and you do realise as you take those steps into leadership, you kind of have to take a step back from some of that day-to-day, you know, kind of friendly. You, you have to distance yourself, I suppose, because you are start, when you start to have those difficult conversations with people as a leader or a manager, you've got to have that little bit of distance, you know, and you keep the personal and the professional separate, but you've got to have that little bit of professional distance to be able to do that. And having watched between the head and the assistant head, watching what they how they dealt with things... I found then that, you know, I, I followed suit with that. Um, and I, I, but I also think probably one of the things that grounded me in my role as a school business manager in that school is I'd carried out every role within the school business management. I'd done cover, I'd done finance, I'd done exams. Every time anybody went off on maternity leave, I would pick up and cover for a year. So I actually knew what I was asking of my staff. And I found that was really um, made me be a probably a more understanding manager I, I worked for somebody who, you know, asked me if I still did a particular role, which was um, records of achievement for anybody that remembers them. And it used to, you know, we were still doing it, but my manager was like, do we still do those? I'm like, but they take me literally hours to type up those records of achievement for every mem- uh, year 11 student. But if I wasn't doing them, what was the thing I was doing? Because it was such a huge <laughs> job. So I think I had such a, a realistic expectation. I wouldn't give somebody a task to do that maybe would take a month and then ask them the next day for it. But on the other hand, I wouldn't give them a task that would take an hour to do and expect them to take six weeks to do it. So I think it just gave me a good understanding of what I expected of the staff that were working uh, within my team. So, but yeah, that was that was probably the more the more pivotal till working with those two leaders. But learning to control my own behavior and um you know <laughs> keep some of that t- turn it and use it in a positive rather than you know um perhaps being quite so hot-headed as I might have been <laughs> and you change over time though don't you as you, bec- as you yeah. become I think particularly for me yeah. um people tell you how your life's going to change when you become a parent but I certainly wasn't prepared for that my no. my lifestyle wasn't prepared for that I was used to being quite an independent person and when mm. my girls came along it just completely turned my life upside down and and, and think about work-life balance and 
you can't be at work all the time. If, if you've got dependents or if you've got a family member that's, that you're caring for, you just can't do that. And you have to find balance um, between work and home. And I think that's something that I always find a challenge as a, as a, as a business leader, was trying to find that balance because... I openly admit my whole life was the, the school. My life revolved around school. I cared so much about the school, about the pupils, about every member of staff that it, it became a huge part of my life. Was that a similar experience for you? Yeah, absolutely. And I think more so because at the school that I worked a long time for was my old secondary school. Previously, my mum had been the vice chair of governors when I was at school, which was fun. <laughs> uh, but my boys went there as well. So there was, you know, a five year period where my boys were actually coming to school every day with me. Of course, not coming in the car. I had to drop them off at the top of the street because it wasn't cool to come to school with mum. Uh, but, you know, my boys were actually there. So, you know, my husband was like, I'd, I'd be going back to work at the evening for awards evening or parents' evening or something else going off at school. And he said, Where are you going now? I said, oh, Back to school again. And I'm like, Yeah, but it's not oh, back to work again. And I'm like, But it's not like work. You know, it's. it's it becomes like your second family, doesn't it? Absolutely. And sometimes a little bit too much, but I think because of the the boys being there as well, which actually is lovely, you know, because it gave me the opportunity to be able to see uh, assemblies where they were speaking and things like that. So I, I was, you know, I was really like Julia said earlier, privileged in that respect. Um, quite shell shocked when they came to go to sixth form because suddenly they were going off to school again on their own, which was quite a shock. But um, yeah, felt really, really privileged to see some of the things and some of the, you know, on their exam results day because they used to go in and do result uh, exam results to actually see them getting their results in the school. You know, it was a, a really privileged. So yeah, definitely. I think as well, if, as you've been talking, it's it's just made me think about you know, one of the most. Um, I was going to say empowering, but I don't think that's probably the right word. But when you are in a, a role, if you remember the leadership team at school, so you are being asked to to make decisions about policy in a school. And then that realisation, and for me it was a realisation, so that you know, you've got 2,000 children and young people in your school. So that's 2,000 families effective. I mean, not because they're siblings, but you know what I mean. A lot. That's a huge group of uh, people who will have a vast range of uh, needs and expectations and be experiencing probably just about everything you can think of at the same time if you look across it. And, and that I found, I found it one of the most challenging, but one of the most uh, humbling, that's the word, humbling um, things to be to be part of an organization that had influence over such a such a large group of people and 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 the diversity that came with that um and using that as it's it's incredibly leveling in terms of thinking how you know you wanted to make a change or how you wanted to move forward and this is even you know not i would say not not in a teaching capacity but policies that would impact on on those families and money is always an emotive issue isn't it and being able to set up and organize uh things to to make sure that everybody had the opportunity to take advantage of etc etc so i i think and i didn't realize that um for quite a while it, it sort of hit me there were a couple of specific experiences um with with certain children and their families that really brought that home to me so i would thank them for that for giving me that uh, opportunity to properly understand that but it's a huge huge responsibility never to be underestimated I think and, and I don't think you could ever say 
that yeah i've got that sorted i think you would be um it would be a dangerous place to be i think if you if you ever felt that and i have to say that's something that i i would miss in the role now because you don't get that um level of involvement yeah I think there's, there's there's a couple of families that I still that I still think about now. I completely mm. get that there's there's occasions where you have to deal with things that are really really difficult, or you know that there are families. It might might be staff. It might be pupils that are dealing with extremely difficult things. Uh, one of the the, the hardest um, that I experienced is um, during my time working in schools was losing three colleagues, um, mm. and having being a senior leader, having to deal with my own grief having to support colleagues and also in some way trying to support staff. And I, I don't think there's there's any right way to do that. I think just showing empathy and being human, as we were sort of talking about earlier. Exactly. But there's no, yeah. there's nothing you can do to take away everybody's pain, you, sort of setting things up like memorial books and, and a place for, for people to leave mementos or flowers mm. and, and those sorts of things were, were really, really important. But... It's really tough as a senior leader when when you're trying to manage your own emotions as well as supporting others. It's uh, it's yes. really tricky. Yes, it is. It is, and you're right. It's the humanity that comes back to being how you know that is when it's how how am I going to deal with this? Yeah. And, and think about it in the COVID context as well. At the moment, that we know mm. that there are there are staff that are managing their own anxieties as as well as trying to support their pupils with online learning and and supporting children who are who are in the classroom as well. And I just think it's absolutely phenomenal, particularly what our business leaders are doing, because we, we know that they've been at the absolute forefront of this. I mean, Louise, you, you've seen that through some of the work that you do supporting employers. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, having been a school business leader myself, I dealt with uh, staff attendance and staff well-being. And when things aren't going good, it was my office. You know, I used to have boxes and boxes of tissues and, tissues and chocolates. A, you know, yeah, a table where we could sit away from the desk where we've got blinds at the window. So we've got private, quiet space. And I can just imagine now what it must be like for school business leaders in this situation that, that you know, that table would be probably socially distanced, but, you know, would be in frequent use at the moment. I just think some, we had some, you know, we've had some terrible instances at um, the schools I've worked at, you know, tragic circumstances and the community pulls together, but it's difficult. Like you say, you've got to be the person, if somebody's coming to you and they're upset and you've got to then, because you're dealing with the human resources side of it, you've then got to put in place what you can to support them. But actually, you need that support yourself as well. And, don't, and, and you don't, you know, we're probably the world's worst, aren't we? I found I was for actually doing anything to help myself because you want to be there for everybody else. And I think it's just that time to make sure you do prioritise yourself as well, isn't it? And I think some of the things we've seen about making sure you've got your own oxygen mask on before you can help someone else you can't keep going with the you know it's not sustainable on a physical or an emotional basis is it for business leaders and I'm sure there'll there'll be so many um you know mental battles they're having with themselves about whether they should actually be in school every day or whether they can be part of the working from home rotor and what's going to be happening through holidays you know we've got half term next week I can guarantee majority of business leaders will still be working as normal probably more to try and catch up while it's a, a little bit quieter than it perhaps has been so mm. I think you know I, do, I really do feel for business leaders it's that isolation of you being that one person that people come to from all different for, for pretty much for everything isn't it that that's going on but particularly that must be amplified so much at the moment 
And I think just to say that, that we've got the tell us inbox and, and we're reading those and reading those messages and, and collating those and feeding back to the department, the key messages. And just how important our hotline team is. Our, our hotline team colleagues are amazing. Um, and, and we know that they're, they're there to listen. They're there to give you advice if, if you're in a really difficult situation. So, so do make use of that. Hmm. I agree. Definitely, yeah. I, I think just, just a, a final point on that. I think uh, we don't often enough think about putting in i think the technical in the in the health service i think they call it supervision don't they they will put in supervision and we actually did that in our in our school and but we didn't do it until we took on a school nurse and she could just to see her sort of overview of what in it and it was to do with some particularly difficult safeguarding issues which everybody has to deal with it at, at some time or other um and it was hugely helpful actually that we just put in this mechanism um we involved some um outside agencies in it but there was also an internal structure uh, for supervision which just meant that people you know you could um, uh, get stuff off your chest you needed to talk it through in a safe space because a lot of this stuff is so confidential of course you can't take it home and do what you would normally do so I think if if there are there are colleagues you know in in the sector at the moment that that don't have that in school it's certainly something worth thinking about I think Mm -hmm. because we found it incredibly helpful that's a great idea. So um, just before we wrap up, I thought it might be good for just each of us to share something that we're, that we're really proud of, um, something that either has gone really well or, or something that, uh, that, that we're super proud of. So um, if I start with mine, so uh, mine was writing that the School Business Manager's Handbook, which uh, Louise was part of a few years ago, and, and the reason for choosing that was it, was it being a joint project um, and pulling together, as I, I felt at the time, like there was lots of, lots of us who'd got something that we wanted to say and that we wanted to share with each other. Um, things like Twitter were just emerging and just starting to get going. Um, and we weren't networking. I know, I know that the, the network leader groups now network together, but, but that sort of wasn't as evolved as it's become now. And, and I hope that that was sort of a one of the steps along the way i think what we've talked about today is from each of us is that where we've got to today is the amalgamation of lots of little steps lots of little things happening um, that that lead to big things and it's only when you reflect back like we have done today to realize just actually how immense some of those things are and and how much of a difference uh, they can make so um louise what about you I think uh, the thing I'm most proud of is setting up the school business leaders group. Um, while I was a trustee for ISBL, um, I used to go off to conference and hear about all what the regional groups were doing and realised that actually there was nothing in my locality. Um, we were very heavily um, academised. So there were, uh, the secondary school that I moved to was one of the only uh, maintained schools left in the local authority, but an awful lot of the primaries were still maintained. But there was no kind of network for us, so I decided that we would set and I would set the network up. Um, but we, I wanted it to be completely fully inclusive. People were saying they'd been to things before where primaries weren't allowed to go or special schools weren't allowed to go. We wanted anybody and everybody to be able to come as long as they were in a business leadership role of some shape or description. What well, we didn't matter what it was, they could all come. And I remember getting an email from uh, a lady in a primary school in the locality, and she said. Uh, would I be allowed to come along? Um, our business manager retired at Easter, um, and bearing in mind this was in January, it was the December for January, so she'd been two for two terms on her own. They'd become an academy, 
uh, but she had no support. She'd not done any of the fa- really much of the finance work. All she said, "I really, I have no idea which way to turn." And so. she came to the meeting, yeah. and she put, she popped, she ca- came and caught my attention, and she said, "I just wanted to say it's just me from the." Pr-. And I said, "There's no just you. You are. This is absolutely, absolutely. what the group was about." And she emailed me when we reviewed. Uh, you know, we evaluated at the end, and she just said, "Thank you so much. You will never understand the difference you've made." Because I've now got cause we had the online forum. So even if people can't get together, there was somewhere that she'd got to ask other people. And it was, to me, that made it worthwhile, you know, all the, the work. Uh, and, there, you know, the group's successful now. It's running in a slightly different way due to COVID. But as I handed it over, there were about 180 schools were members. So, you know, we'd, we'd got 50 joined up within about three days. So clearly it was something that was needed. So I'm really proud of that. So you should be fantastic. Julia? Yeah. Thanks, Hey, First of all, I, I visited Louise's group when you were still running it, I think, and I would second that And because and, as a visitor, you, 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 you're not guaranteed to feel um, absolutely part of it straight away. And there was, it was fantastic. It was lovely. And clearly it was, that, that was the, uh, the MO of, of the whole group. You, you've come to talk to us or talk with us. You're part of us. It's fab. Um, so, yeah, so thanks for that. Um, thing I, I, I think it would probably be um, having the opportunity to be part of the team that set up a school from scratch so when I joined there were five members of staff and we were off-site in a rented office and the building wasn't completed um and just say just being given that opportunity so this is you this is your responsibility you do that the way that you think is is the right way to do it and I had no idea what was the right way to do it just to say um but but I I had to I had to work through that moment but and and it and I learned so much about myself about you know about the people uh, about process some really you know sort of mundane stuff and some much much bigger stuff that um I learned as well so that was a a brilliant opportunity and I will always be uh, extremely grateful for the the um the the leadership team that gave me that opportunity which was the other four people so it was and we ended up with 2000 children and a staff of about 250 i mean it was it was amazing but yeah really really useful to um uh, set of experiences that sounds like an absolutely amazing experience and wonderful to have something so tangible that you can hopefully go back and visit one day as well and to see how it's how it's developing and how it's going and the same with with the group louise it's a fantastic group and wonderful to see how it evolved and how it filled such an essential need as well to grow so quickly. There was obviously the business leaders that, that were looking for that and valuing that. So I think that's, uh, that's really, really wonderful. So uh, that's the end of today's episode. Thank you ever so much for joining us. This has been Askell's Business Brunch and hopefully we'll be back soon. The Askell Business Brunch.